This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Jillian Mann is coming with Jillian Mann. Is. <laughs> Jillian Mann is coming. Fight me, Jillian Manis and Michael Hyatt reunited at last. Get excited because that dynamic duo and the rest of the investors are about to meet a founder who's throwing the Silicon Valley playbook out the window. Rahul Jindal is only asking for $100,000 in the pitch room today. He has his business down to a science and he knows exactly where he'll put every venture dollar. And he thinks he can use that humble round of fundraising to build a clothing rental empire. And a scrappy founder is exactly what VCs are looking for, right? From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Today's investors are... I'm Phil Nadell. Phil built companies that sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Now he manages Forefront Venture Partners, one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. I'm Jillian Manis. Jillian is a partner at Structure Capital, where they've invested $98 million in high-profile startups like Uber. I'm Michael Hyatt. Michael built and sold two software companies for over $500 million. And now, he invests for himself. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $45 million in over 100 startups to date. All right, on with the pitch. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? So, hello everyone. Uh, I'm Rahul. So, we'll take you back a few years. 26 years old. I've spent my whole life um, working in what I call an engineering outfit. Um, blue shirt, baggy suit, white shirt once in a while. I worked all over the Midwest. Uh, I used to work for Rolls-Royce uh, jet engines. And then I got a job for McKinsey. So I moved to New York City and immediately it was very apparent that whether it was serving a client or going out trying to you know, get a date, frankly, it, something just didn't work. That something was Rahul's boring clothes. He was getting the side eye in business meetings and when he tried to get into swanky New York hotspots, they would not let him in. And so now, Fast forward four weeks into New York, I've got a date with this girl um, that I've had a massive crush on all through college years. And I've got to go and pick out an outfit. So then I went, I tried to shop around, six hours in, couldn't find anything. Tried Trunk Club, they sold me good stuff. I remember two shirts and a pair of pants and it cost me $500. Expensive, I wore it, I looked good, I admit. But that's ridiculous. For the less fashionable amongst us, Trunk Club sends customers monthly boxes of curated clothes. The customer decides to buy some of it, then sends back the rest. But like Rahul says, looking good comes at a price. If I have $1,000, 2000 3000 to burn, anyone can make me look like James Bond. But that's not what I have. I can't afford to do that living in New York. And that's when I realized something's broken in the market. I like to look good. I don't know how to do it. So how do we fix that? That's when I invented Hyde. It's rental clothing. 
like clockwork, week on week, you get your entire outfit. So it's like run the runway work, but for men? But for men, but it's complete. Men don't like putting together outfits. That's what people have missed. We said, no, no, what have you got going on, Charles? You've got to go to a work dinner. Tell me where it is. Oh, it's, you know, it's a nice four-star restaurant here. Great. I'll put together a nice blazer for you with dark wash jeans, with a pair of nice boots, perhaps, or, or wingtip shoes. All of this shows up at your doorstep. Sunglasses, cologne, everything. And you're wearing $1,500 worth of stuff for 50 bucks. So it's easy on the wallet, too. So it's a male rent the runway kind of per event. If you take rent the runway and merge it with Trunk Club, you get this. $50 a week? $50 per outfit. Okay. What Rahul's doing is selling a subscription of stylish clothing. You wear the outfits and send them back to Hyde Closet, which is a tried and true business model. Rent the Runway just earned a $1 billion valuation renting clothes to women. So I'll I'll walk you through the the plans we have. 50 for a one-off. One-off is basically, hey, you've got somewhere to go. Here's your box. You know, thanks very much. A lot of people come back. Um, $80 if you want it twice a month. And the last one is $150 a month, which is like clockwork every week. The $80 offering, is that a week's worth of clothing? Or is that one out? So it's a full week's worth of clothing. So it's always two shirts, pair of pants, outerwear, shoes, belt, sunglasses, and or a tie. And cologne and all that. So it's not much, really a week. It's not a week. It's, it's, it's two it's, outfits, it's two outfits. We tried to optimize for an outfit and a half. Can you show us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Please go ahead. Can you, do you want to hand us one? Do you want to I show can, it? What, can, what's uh, easier? We actually stole the mic for that purpose. <laughs> uh, it's, it's everything. It's everything. So everything's used. Yes. So I wanted to put these shoes here specifically to show you this. Is the, the investors room. gather around the hide closet boxes in the middle of the room. Jillian grabs a belt, and Phil pulls out one of the neatly pressed shirts and shakes it out. Michael zeroes in on the shoes. The shoes are quite worn, though. That, yes. That, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I put that in specifically I know, for because you have one more turn, but I, I, I'm still yeah. a little scared of that. Yeah, the sure. rest of it I could, I could, yeah. I could deal with. See, Dry want, cleaning and stuff. I wanted to show you, you the last time. Okay. I think we get the idea of the product. Okay. Now it's time for the investors to head back to their seats and ask, does the business look as good as the outfits? Tell us about your sales thus far. Yes, uh, the sales. Yes. Yeah. So we, we now have 35 running clients. We I started it um, in December, uh, purely sort of promotional activity, signed with 700 people within about uh, three weeks, give or take. We did a couple of pop-ups and we signed and we started supplying to 35 people. Um, we what happened have to the mix- 700? That's just our sort of active engaged user list. I can't let in more right now without hiring more operations people because my product experience will fall. So well, what's I, I just, involved with that? Why is that holding you back? The first is the actual styling. So I want stylists to be building these boxes, not someone just you know randomly doing it. So what I've built now is that stylists can assemble boxes remotely. They don't need to be with the clothes. Second component is the actual packing, the logistics of it. I still need someone to actually package the boxes. Bringing everything into inventory and and then checking it out of inventory, that needs to be immaculate. Right now, we don't have things like barcode scanners, so we're all doing it manually. It works really well, but it takes time, and I need people to do that. Can you explain the the styling and the inventory? Mm -hmm. It seems like that becomes a real stumbling point. That's absolutely my favorite question. So that's the secret sauce here. What we found is that four social events cover 80 to 90% of an average man's calendar during a given week. Sunday, brunch, 
Thursday, happy hour. Friday, formal date. Saturday, a casual date. That's it. If I can, I can solve for these four events for the sizes, which also, by the way, living in a metropolitan city, if you look them up, they cluster. The median is a 40R. If you can pick up your sizes at that median and forget about the two tails, I can cover most of my inventory. And I'm seeing that now in my data. Wow. Wow is right. Rahul turned a guy's social calendar into a science, backed that up with data, then topped it off with a little style know-how. But there are a lot of different size combinations. Yes. You know, you have all different size shoes and then different size blazers and shirts. Yeah. I'm just wondering how many times you can turn that. And how you can automate that a bit too. So the model does exactly that right wow. now. When you join on, it spits out to me and says, let's say, I'm assuming you're a 42R. Um, yeah. Okay, so if no, you- No, 42 long. Okay, 42 long. Yeah. So you come on, it'll tell me we have three 42 longs blazers for him. We are okay for three weeks. It's predictive buying. Then it tells me for the fourth week, if he sticks on, we need to buy something for him. And so I can now time the market, right? I can look out for sales. I can tell my buyers to say, you've got three weeks. If he stays on, buy him something. Rahul's operation is so lean that he's figured out how to only buy clothes at the very last minute when he absolutely needs them. And while that might make Rahul the king of bootstrapping, the question becomes, how lean is too lean for investors looking for fat returns? That's when we come back. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back to the show. The investors like the clothes, they like Rahul, and they love the idea that Hyde Closet could become the next Rent the Runway for men. But Rahul might not understand how much money it's going to take to get there. Have you raised money to date? Uh, yeah, so we did. So we did a small round. I raised 100 grand from a strategic and then $20,000 friends and family. Personally, I've put in about 20 grand with my partner. So how much money are you looking for? A convertible note, 100 grand would be great. You're looking for 100 grand? Mm -hmm. Why so little? Um, I think that'll take me to the 2,500 customers I need, and then we can raise a round after that. Uh, I think anything greater than that at this stage. What's your convertible dilute. note terms? Tell me about uh, it. Uh, $1 million cap. Oh, that's why. Right. And I don't want to give it right. a ridiculous valuation. <laughs> and look, I've done a lot of things in my professional life. I haven't raised money. So what, 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 what's your revenues? That if you sign on those 2,500 clients, yeah. what's their revenue? So 2,500 clients, what we've averaged, what we've seen so far is about $100 per client a month. And then what's your, what's your acquisition cost? My acquisition cost ranged between $20 and $40. 
We have not done any social media marketing. I haven't spent a single penny because I don't know enough about it and I know enough about it to know it's a money hole. So I haven't put any money on it. So things we have done is I've gone and done um, fireside chats at WeWorks in, in DC. I've had pop-up stores at Union Market, at um, you know the DC Startup Week, etc. That's where I've gotten people to sign up for the list. Then off of that list, I've converted people by literally going down and saying, who's opening our emails the most, we'll only email them. That's how we got to the 35 because I knew they would sign on. The only thing I would say on the marketing is, you know, a business like this yeah. is is going to ultimately come down to how good you are at marketing. Yeah, no, right? I totally agree. I mean, this is a customer acquisition business, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you're planning to bring someone in 100%. or outsource it. Um, ideally, it should be someone on your on your team, uh, no, you know, at a senior level. 100%. It has to be because I want the marketing person to be fully tied in with the product development and the product roadmap. Otherwise, you're distributing different messages. Yeah. So I definitely don't want it to outsource this. Um, I just need a good person to come join. Perfectly honest about it. Like, I know that's a, it's a gap I need to fill very quickly. Yeah. Rahul seems to have a plan for every part of the business from how he'll approach marketing to how many socks he'll need a month from now. But is his comprehensive plan the right one for these investors? First off, I, I really like you. I'd say in a nice way, you're overly honest and straight up and I think realistic about your valuations and, and stuff. It's nice. I think you're offering a very interesting service. This is kind of cool. Um, I guess what I'm struggling with is just a simple idea is, uh, is this really going to be a, a big business? Fair enough. Okay, so um, I want to grow with the hundred grand to twenty five hundred customers at the end of the year. So your estimated monthly revenue would be? Uh, we'd be at two two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's a three million dollar a year business. Yeah. At the end of the year, right? Um, but you have a net margin at that point? Uh, I'd be breaking even yeah. at, at yeah, twenty five hundred right. customers, mm -hmm. right? And after that, it. It's on the uptake, so so that's that's one aspect. So talk about the buyers and yeah. talk about how you 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 have a, you're raising hundred thousand, which sounds yeah. very very tiny, and I understand why. But I, it doesn't. I can't imagine how that hundred thousand is going to actually get you to the twenty five hundred. If in fact you're buying, you also have to pay stylists. Sure. So can you... I can answer that actually because I ran the math on that. So to twenty five hundred customers, right? Ten dollars a customer spending twenty five grand on it. That's twenty five percent of the ten. $100,000, right? I want about 50 grand to set up a team. I can pay them part-time um, operations and stylists <laughs> and get this. Because I've got, see, the thing Lean is, stylists are not actually in the store. They can work offline. That's the yeah. beauty of it. So if I can get that set up, they're only putting in the hours. They're not driving anywhere. I can have them in Minneapolis for all I care. Okay, but everything and then, is. And what, finish the, pro yeah. I mean, it just, you know, and then what about inventory? Okay, and inventory is actually, because we're a cash generative business, I'm not actually putting any more money in inventory anymore. The money that the business generates, I buy new clothes with. It's a cash generative okay, business. Okay, but to get started with 2,500 right. people, you gotta buy inventory. I won't go to zero to 25 now. Right. It's not possible, right? So as I scale up, I okay, will be generating Okay, but you said 2,500 by end of the year. Right, but in it won't months. be. Right, in six months, but it'll be a gradual slope to 2,500. I have enough inventory now um, for at least, say, 70, 80 people. I add a bit more. I can get to 100. Now, those 100 people are billing up front, and then yeah. they get And that clothes. accounts for the, all the different size variations yeah. and so different they're styles. They're all clustered. So, look, there's two things that are always true yeah. about starting a business. It always costs more, and it always takes longer. Yeah. yeah. 
And I've never met an entrepreneur that says, you know what my problem was? I, I just raised too much money. Yeah. You know, it doesn't usually work that way. Got it. So here's the thing. Yeah. I'm going to pass, but this okay. is what I have to say. Yeah. Uh, I really like you and I love your ambitions. I have rarely seen an entrepreneur come in here and say on, you know, 25 cents, I can, you know, get to the moon and uh, you're doing it and good on you. And I love it. Um, I'm going to pass, okay. but I really like you and I think you're fixing an interesting problem. Thank you. Appreciate it. I think it's a very uh, smart idea. I see the value to consumers. Mm -hmm. You know, I can really see people using it. I have concerns about the operations and okay. logistical part of it. Sure. I think um, the inventory issue is it's capital intensive. You're going to have to spend a lot of money for, for inventory. And yeah. right now, marketing is, you know, hasn't been tested really. Let me let me say this. I, I, I see your hesitation. Um, maybe we could take this offline because I, you know, I measure tack time on jet blades. Like I, one thing I'm sure about is operations. So maybe I can take this offline and walk you through it. Fair enough. If you can convince me mm -hmm. of the operational piece, I may come in as an angel investor. But I'm going to pass I for now. That. No, I'd love to do that. Take the chance. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. I feel yeah. like if this were San Francisco, this would be like a 500 on three kind of deal. Yeah. Um, Mostly because it's it. weird. I suspect you will get more out of $100,000 than the average entrepreneur that we meet. Um, it's just a weird, for me as an investor, I'm fighting my natural desire to recoil when I feel like somebody's asking for too little money. I think your capital raise doesn't match your ambition. Yeah. To me, a $1 million cap is for someone who has nothing, mm -hmm. who hasn't figured out anything. There's serious questions about the model. There's mm -hmm. serious questions. I think this is a business that deserves half a million dollars okay. so that you can expand, begin to test the marketing, prove that the operations scales yep. and that it's manageable at thousands yep. of customers. Yep. And then I think you'd be really well set up. Charles is out, so are Phil and Michael. The only investor left is Jillian. Um, so uh, you are an unusual because you are coming here with such a depth of knowledge. And I think your McKinsey background definitely shined bright here for all of us. Um, and I like the way that you've addressed all of our issues. Uh, I I do feel that you need to raise more. Okay. Um, I do think that this is uh, doing you a disservice. Sure. Um, because $100,000 in our world it doesn't even make sense. Like a okay. hundred dollars, you know, can't buy you a cup of coffee. Sure. Right. Sure. And so, Actually, um, <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Just so, uh, I'm very sad to say that I'm passing because I think you have such grit and potential and I want to see where this goes. I really do want to see where this goes. Can I, before I leave, yeah. and I really appreciate everyone's feedback. Can I sort of very tangibly get down to what are the things that I would do? And I'm not asking you to kind of get on the path of, yeah. if you do this, I'll yeah, invest, yeah. but just as going forward in a constructive manner. So one is ask for more money, but do it in a sensible way. Um, it's ask for money and show us how you can get bigger, faster. Right, yeah. It's what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Because what you told us is that you're raising so little, we don't believe you're going to move the company big enough. Venture investing is about putting money down and making a big return. Right. It, this isn't going to be a big company based on what you're doing right now. Gotcha. It's going to be a good company, but it's not going to be a great outcome for us. Got it. Asking for 100000 you know, we don't see that you're really reaching for the stars here. Got it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank no, you thanks so much. for taking hey, time. It was a pleasure. And you can send me Tom Ford sunglasses. <laughs> the, those, if you don't want those, I'll keep them. Rahul leaves the room without investment, but with the clothes he brought, he needs those. 
He's running a lean operation after all. As he left, I stepped into the pitch room to find out what the investors really thought about Rahul's pitch. You know, it's one of those episodes where you just really wanted to invest because you like the guy. And we spend so much time meeting entrepreneurs who's price who were anchored on prices that were unrealistically high so yeah this and, is it's the opposite. So, and it just goes to show you that being anchored on a price that's unrealistically low can be just as dangerous to a business yeah. as being anchored on a price do, do you think high. he was not he just wasn't thinking big enough i think that's dc though i don't want to criticize anybody who invests in dc i have friends many great people yeah. well, dc is a very price insensitive show me market so the fact that he raised on one is actually not surprising to me but why wouldn't you view this and be like this founder basically is raising a friends and family round in front of me. I can get in now and get a ton of the company because for he's cheap. wrong. Be- because and he's wrong. He can't. He can't get that big. He won't get to his numbers. He wouldn't raise he another round invest. down the Listen, road. Listen, t- time is the expensive thing. If yeah. time is the expensive thing, then I'm going to waste six months telling him he should have raised five hundred yeah. grand and we could have been further ahead. He should raise five hundred grand now. Yeah. I think he seems uh, gun shot. Like, he seems worried about raising money. He seems like he doesn't want to give up more than he thinks. I I believe. Yes. I think there's something very special about him. Yeah, I do too. I liked him a lot. Despite them loving Rahul, it seems like his tiny fundraise just wasn't the right fit for these investors. When we come back, Rahul responds to the idea that he just isn't thinking big enough. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Rahul and I spoke about a month later, and he told me that prior to his pitch, he was advised by some local investors based in DC to raise a small round of fundraising at a low valuation. They wanted him to be realistic, keeping his feet planted firmly on the ground. But the investors on our show, who seemed to subscribe to the Silicon Valley mindset, were looking for a moonshot. Do you think maybe that just doing a raise of $100,000 in front of Mm. those VCs makes it seem like you aren't being ambitious enough? Yeah, that's a good question. So I did think about that a lot, and I, I balanced it. Um, between being realistic off the valuation as an early stage company, maybe I did go a little bit too far, but I also kind of kept it real real realistic in terms of the money I actually need right now. I felt like that was a fair, a very lean, but a fair number, but I didn't sort of think that I was coming in too cheap. Yeah. So you think that's, I mean, like, do you buy that though? Like, do you really, it just seems I, like such a weird thing to say, your business is too cheap for us to invest. And so we're not going to invest. I think that there are four consistent opinions right now. I think that the point which these guys raised 
was you're not solving for the next six, six months or eight months. Like we invest in businesses that are solving for growth over the next three or four years. And right. we are happy. And, and if the investor is happy to take on the risk over a course of a longer duration of time, then who am I as an entrepreneur to restrict that? That doesn't make any sense. And I didn't quite, right. I should have grabbed that earlier on. So you wish you would have come to that understanding before pitching the investors? Yeah. Four people who are good at this can't all be wrong, obviously, right? I'd, I'd be I'd be an idiot to think that. So I, I mean, think they might. <laughs> I mean, four well, people might, in a room have I, been wrong before. That's true. That's true. And and that's why, but I certainly can't be arrogant enough to say I'm the right one there. So I, right. I got to crowdsource some, some data and, and really understand how to go forward with this. But at this point, it'd be premature for me to say whether they're right or wrong. Makes sense. Rahul, do you think you got caught in the middle of the discrepancy between the way Silicon Valley investors think and maybe the way the rest of the world or a smaller startup community like the DC market, for example, thinks? So I think in, and I have had a few pitches in DC, I think the the, the city sort of skews toward um more technology-heavy cybersecurity and government contracting type firms. And they like to see a lot more revenue and they come in much later and they expect, uh, you know, uh, they expect a lot, le lot less risk. And I think that, you know, I, I may have overreacted to that probably, uh, but that mm. certainly was bearing on my mind when I pitched. And, and clearly these guys are not part of that ecosystem. Yeah. Does that change how you take advice from DC investors going forward? It's I think it just it just it's a matter of calibrating. Oh, like knowing knowing your audience, knowing what type of investor you're talking to. Right. Now I know, you know. The way I look at it is, you know, now I know. Um next time I'll do this, you know, I'll make a different mistake, but I won't make the same one again. You have because of your quantitative experience and background, it seemed like Every dollar, every penny was accounted for in your plan. And you had found a way to somehow, with $100,000, build this business over the next year. And, and I wonder if the way that came across to these investors was, this guy is thinking too scrappy. Like, we need a founder who's like, what could I do if I had $500,000? What could I do with a million dollars? And thinking less about being completely efficient with every dollar. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think I think maybe I I, I over-indexed on the scrappy. I, I now I know. You know, make make different mistakes next time. We'll make the same one. All right. So very early on, the investors made the comparison of Hyde Closet to Rent the Runway. Do you think that Hyde Closet could actually get someday as big as Rent the Runway? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think this could be it. I mean, I genuinely want to build something. I, I think um, I'm excited by, you know, operational challenges. I'm, I'm just genuinely, I'm, I'm just, I like building things and I'm fascinated about all these different things you get exposed to when you're building a business. So I, I really want to <laughs> just create something. It sounds like you like the game of it. it sounds like you like the whole thing. I think it's it's fantastic. I mean, this show and, and and pitching and trying to build a product and being involved with, you know, people, all sorts of people, good and bad, 
And fundraising really brings it to a head because everybody has a different agenda and everybody's done this a million times in the past. So they're bringing all of this latent knowledge. So I, you know, to me, it's a massive learning opportunity. Rahul says he's still searching for someone to help run the marketing at Hyde Closet. So if you know anyone, you can't see this, but I'm winking right now. How do I make the sound of winking? (laughs) That's all for today's episode, but I'll be back next week, so stay tuned. And if you're enjoying the show, do me a quick favor and steal your friends' phones when they aren't looking and subscribe them to The Pitch. That'd be great. Thanks. Our show is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Heather Rogers and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Blythe Terrell and Sarah Saracen. Theme music by The Musemaker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Bobby Lord, Billy Libby, Peter Leonard, and The Musemaker. We are mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. And here's a quick disclaimer that there's no offer to invest being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Follow The Pitch on Spotify and listen for free or find new episodes wherever you listen. We'll be back with a new episode next week. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.